0: I hate your sacrifices. According to our text, God hates religion. Those who aren't here this morning evidently got the memo ahead of time. No, this text does not apply directly to chapel attendance or the use of ceremony and liturgy. So let's remove that from our minds this morning. No, the prophet is addressing something much deeper. He is speaking to the fundamental confusion and inversion of divine and human works. God hates religion when divine gifts are treated like human works, or when human works obfuscate, hinder, or replace divine gifts. Israel's worship, filled with the judgment and justice and righteousness of God, had degenerated to such religion. The creation of God was advanced as a craft of man. Now, the original form of this message is important for us to hear. However, this morning, at the end of this fall quarter, and for the first-year seminarians, it's the end of your first quarter of seminary, I would like us to take the opportunity to listen to someone else speak to us. In 1938, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote the book Life Together. It was written out of his experience with a seminary community that was clandestine and illegal. And in a similar vein to the prophet Amos, Bonhoeffer begins by highlighting the deep danger of confusing Christian community, a divine gift and creature of Christ, with notions that our fellowship is something we fashion and direct, and thus we can take it or leave it. So juxtaposing the words of the prophet Amos and our present experience together here at seminary, our future life together in future congregations, and our life together as church and synod, listen now to the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Christianity means community through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. No Christian community is more than this, and none is less than this. Whether it be a brief single encounter or the daily fellowship of years, Christian community is solely this. We belong to one another only through and in Jesus Christ. On innumerable occasions, a whole Christian community has been shattered because it had sprung from a wish dream, a wishful image. Certainly serious Christians who are put in a community for the first time will often bring with them a very definite image of what Christian communal life should be, and they will be anxious to realize it, but God's grace quickly frustrates such dreams, A great disillusionment with others, with Christians in general, and if we're fortunate, with ourselves, is bound to overwhelm us as surely as God desires to lead us to an understanding of genuine Christian community. By sheer grace, God will not permit us to live in a dream world, even for a few weeks, and to abandon ourselves to those blissful experiences and exalted moods that sweep over us like a wave of rapture. For God is not a God of emotionalism, but the God of truth. Only that community which enters into the experience of this great disillusionment with all its unpleasant and evil appearances begins to be what it should be in God's sight, begins to grasp in faith the promise that is given to it. The sooner this moment of disillusionment comes over the individual and the community, the better for both. However, a community that cannot bear and cannot survive such disillusionment, clinging instead to its idealized image when it should be done away with, loses at the same time the promise of a durable Christian community. Sooner or later, it is bound to collapse. Every human idealized image that is brought into the Christian community is a hindrance to genuine Community and must be broken up so that genuine community can survive. Those who love their dream of a Christian community more than the Christian community itself become destroyers of that community, even though their personal attent- intentions may be ever so honest and earnest and sacrificial. God hates visionary dreaming. It makes the dreamer proud and pretentious. Those who dream of this idealized community demand that it be fulfilled by God, by others, and by themselves. They enter the community of Christians with their demands and set up their own law and judge one another and even God accordingly. They stand adamant, a living reproach to all others in the circle of the community. They act as if they have to create the Christian community, as if their visionary ideal binds the people together. Whatever does not go their way, they call a failure. And when their idealized image is shattered, they see the community breaking into pieces. And so they first become accusers of other Christians then accusers of God, and then finally the desperate accusers of themselves. But because God already has laid the only foundation of our community, because God has united us in one body with other Christians in Jesus Christ long before we entered into common life with them, We enter into that life together with other Christians, not as those who make demands, but as those who thankfully receive. We thank God for what God has done for us. We thank God for giving us other Christians to live by God's call and forgiveness and promise. We do not complain about what God does not give us, Rather, we are thankful for what God does give us daily. And is not what has been given us enough, other believers who will go on living with us through sin and need under the blessing of God's grace? Is the gift of God any less immeasurably great than this one on on any given day, even the most difficult and distressing days of a Christian community Even when sin and misunderstanding burden the common life, is not the one who sins still a person with whom I too stand under the word of Christ? Will not another Christian sin be an occasion for me ever anew to give thanks that both of us may live in the forgiving love of God in Jesus Christ? Therefore, Will not the very moment of great disillusionment with my brother or sister be incomparably wholesome for me because so thoroughly it teaches me that both of us can never live by our own words and deeds, but only by that one word and deed that really binds us together, the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. The bright day of Christian community dawns wherever the early morning mists of dreamy visions are done away with. Thankfulness works in the Christian community as it usually does in the Christian life. Only those who give thanks for little things receive great things as well. We prevent God from giving us the great spiritual gifts prepared for us because we do not give thanks for daily gifts— We think that we should not be satisfied with the small measure of spiritual knowledge, experience, and love that has been given to us, and that we must constantly be seeking the greater gifts. And then we complain when we lack the deep certainty, the strong faith, and rich experiences that God has given to other Christians, and we consider these complaints to be pious. We pray for the big things and forget To give thanks for the small and yet really not so small gifts that we receive daily. How can God entrust great things to those who will not gratefully receive the little things from God's hand? If we do not give thanks daily for the Christian community in which we have been placed, even when there are no great experiences, no noticeable riches, but much weakness and difficulty and little faith, and if, on the contrary, we only keep complaining to God that everything is so miserable and so insignificant and does not at all lift up to, live up to our expectations, then we hinder God from letting our community grow according to the measure and riches that are there for all of us in Jesus Christ. So that also applies in a very special way to the complaints often heard from pastors and zealous parishioners about their congregations. Pastors should not complain about their congregation, certainly never to other people, but also not to God. Congregations have not been entrusted to them in order that they should become accusers of their congregations before God and their fellow human beings. When pastors lose faith in a Christian community in which they have been placed and they begin to make accusations against it, they had better examine themselves first and see whether the underlying problem is not their own idealized image, which should be shattered by God. And if they find that to be true, let them thank God for leading them into this predicament. But if they find that it's not true, let them nevertheless guard against ever becoming an accuser of those whom God has gathered together. Instead, Let them accuse themselves of their unbelief. Let them ask for an understanding of their own failure and their particular sin and pray that they may not wrong other Christians. Let such pastors, recognizing their own guilt, make intercession for those charged to their care. Let them do what they have been instructed to do and thank God. Like the Christian sanctification, Christian community is a gift of God to which we have no claim. Only God knows the real condition of either our community or our sanctification. We may appear weak and insignificant, and it may appear so to us, but to God it is maybe great and glorious. Just as Christians should not be constantly feeling the pulse of their spiritual life, So, too, the Christian community has not been given to us by God for us to be continually taking its temperature. The more thankfully we receive what has been given to us, the more assuredly and consistently will community increase and grow from day to day as God pleases. And so, Christian community is not an ideal that we have to realize. But rather, it is a reality created by God in Christ in which we may participate. The more clearly we learn to recognize that the ground and strength and promise of all of our community is in Jesus Christ alone, the more calmly we learn to think about our fellowship and pray and hope for it.